This time on the Lord's Grantham Podcast, we are kicking off coverage of the Gilded Age. That is right. We are back at home with Julian Fellows, and we will be talking about the first two episodes. Let's go. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. Here comes the money. Money, money, And just like that, Julian Fellows came and knocking. And for the first time in our show's history, we are doing something as it currently runs, Corey. Welcome back to the Lords of Grantham. Yeah, we are covering the Gilded Age. Now, we ran a poll a week ago asking if people wanted us to cover Downton Abbey Season 6 in the ramp up to the new Downton Abbey movie or the Gilded Age. Overwhelmingly, people voted for us to watch Downton Abbey yet again, uh, but... uh, Down Abbey 2, A New Era, it got delayed to May, which opened up a window for us to actually cover the show in real time. So Mm -hmm. sorry, listeners, that we're not going back to Down. We'll get back there eventually. But right now, we're just in the embrace of some new Julian for us to to take in. Yeah, and I feel like this is is unprecedented for us because we've done The Crown and Bridgerton on on somewhat close to release scales, but it's always like a month or two after. And (laughs) those shows shows that we... (laughs) watch are bingeable whereas Mm -hmm. with the gilded age it's currently on to the point that we had the opportunity to either be a week behind double up or what we wound up doing choosing to do for you all today we're compounding episodes one and two into one episode of this podcast yeah and there is a a lot to get through um and so you know just for some context we're, we're aware that there is an official Gilded Age podcast put out there by HBO. I, I, I think you can call that maybe the WWE version of the Gilded Age podcast, where we are more the AEW brand, the more off-brand uh, version. Yeah, we're uh, on another major network. <laughs> <laughs> it's very independent here. That That, that is the feel. Uh, we, we don't hold back. We, we keep it real. We tell but Julian you, what we like. Did you listen like. to the HBO podcast? I have not had the time to. Dave, did you? I listened to the episode with Julian Fellows today. Uh, what did he say? Did he talk trash about us? No, he didn't. Uh, okay. Well, I, 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 he had it's Christine Baranski's Baranski is on with him. Oh, it's great. A very interesting interview. So, Agnes, okay. I would say if you want to get the taste of that, just skip the sort of uh, recap part and jump mm-hmm. right to the interview. I mean, they're definitely going to have a lot more insight because one of the hosts is a Turner Classic Movies host. And the other has a podcast about the history of New York City. Hey, like, I actually if, if live in are, New York City. Come on. You, oh, yeah, that's what I was going to say. This show, you must have been jumping for joy during some of the stuff. Oh, I was episode. clicking my heels watching the show. Um, for those that might be new that are looking for a Gilded Age podcast that found us, um, we've been doing British period dramas for, this is our fifth year. This is season five of The Lord of yeah. Grantham. And if the name we've wasn't clear lot. enough, we've started with Down Abbey. We did the Crown. We did Bridgerton. We did, uh, and we've done three seasons, two seasons of Poldark. We and did the English Game, which we should never speak of, but that's that, another hey, Julian Fellows product I did, I didn't on say Netflix. It. You said it. I didn't say I'm it. just saying there, there's some controversial actors in the show. That's why we try to not speak of it and we try to bury it. But if you're looking for Julian Fellows product out there, 
It's there on Netflix. It's six episodes. We recapped it. It's in the archive. Mm-hmm. But Gilded Age, here we are. Uh, here we are. How much did you did you know aside from the trailer going into this? I feel like I knew a fair amount because Jillian's been talking about this for close to the past decade. And I was reading an article in the Hollywood Reporter this past week where the idea for this originated as early as possibly 2009 where they're Which just is, spitballing that Downton? Downton before Downton yeah yeah they're, they're spitballing ideas for a TV show because um, one of the producers I forget his name but he was formerly the head of NBC and moved to Warner Brothers but Julian had had uh, you know this idea for these you know the aristocrats of America in the 1880s and you know this guy he, he was like Let, let's do it you know, you, you made Gosford Park, this is going to be huge. And then by the time they got around to making it happen, Down Abbey became a thing, so Julian just put it on the shelf. Uh, and I feel and like it, may, maybe that continued pushing all the way up until the pandemic, because we've got Downton, the movie, we've got the English mm-hmm. game, we've got Belgravia. This seemed like that little project that everyone knew about, but it didn't actually yeah. happen. So, And part of the reason why was it almost got started at uh, NBC, uh, but they found the budget was uh, too high. They, they couldn't afford it. And so it's a rare uh, production that got bounced over to uh, HBO. They, they were more than happy to pick it up. It doesn't seem like the rest of HBO's product, but it definitely feels, fills the hole of, like, uh, this isn't British. I mean, but, like, old-school, like, prestige dramas that they didn't have, mm-hmm. like the Crown type of show that they need on there. And, uh, yeah, I mean... it. Here, here it is today after all these years of being aware of it and th- there's been a lot of reshuffling of the cast as well um, I know Carrie Coon's role you know uh, Bertha Russell was po- supposed to be played by Amanda Peet uh, hmm. there was other significant shifts a lot of these actors in the show are from Broadway uh, yeah Julian was think- talking about that in the podcast that he said the pandemic mm-hmm. opened up a lot of doors because Broadway was closed right so the fortuitous for some I mean we can start off here but the lead character, uh, Marion Brooke, uh, she has never appeared in a TV show or a movie before this. Really? Uh, she's only okay. done stage work. Uh, her name is Louisa Jacobson, but if you do a quick Google search and don't just look at IMDb, you find that her full name is Louisa Jacobson Gummer, which means she's uh, Meryl Streep's daughter, <laughs> which that, would okay, explain that's a lot. Why, that's, that's why you think you've recognized her for something. <laughs> From nepotism is live and well in Hollywood, folks. <laughs> um, I mean, she's okay in this role thus far. I, I wouldn't say she's the standout of the show by any measure. She's just doing what she's given. She is our Mr. Bates of this show. She's our eyes. Is she? That, that's, I mean, I guess. I, I, I don't know. Who, if, else, who else? I was actually thinking about this, and then we'll talk about it more. Down Abbey, I mean, it's pretty clearly Mr. Bates is your, your, your. Yeah, your way in. That's she's true, your way in. I feel well, like I Matthew, guess her and Peggy. That, I, Matthew doubles as that and, uh, and down also as like the outsider coming in. But uh But he doesn't come in until the end of episode one. Two? That's true. That or, is yeah, true. so he's not well, around right away. Maybe Gilded Age is his own thing, and we should just judge it <laughs> as such. <laughs> Julian always has his eyes on somebody. hundred percent. hundred percent. So the show starts in eighteen eighty two. the year Edison invented electricity. I'm I'm, I'm ripping a lot of this from Fellows mm-hmm. himself. And the year Great before the Brooklyn, shot. the, the we're year before the some, Brooklyn Bridge opened. Yep, we're, we're, we're staring at the some sheep to start the show. Yep. very inauspicious. In New York, uh, in Central Park, apparently. What a, what a time to be alive! Um, we, we we start to, we 
to kind of do some sweeping shots. We see uh, a familiar downstairs setting uh, of people Mm -hmm. at work. Uh, You know, there's railway uh, spreading and people are taking down investments, but we meet Miss Marion Brooke. Uh, She's talking to a lawyer because she's just uh, learning what has been left for her by her recently deceased uh, father, Mr. Brooks. Mm -hmm. What has he left her, Dave? 30 bucks. (laughs) 30 bucks. And she's like, what about the house? She says, don't own the house. (laughs) It was rented the whole time. And she said, that's Uh, not what I was told. He says, doesn't matter what you were told. (laughs) You got nothing. It is what it is. Sell the furniture. He Uh, says, I'm going to waive my fee. And she says, oh, no, you don't have to do that. He says, I have to do that. (laughs) Yeah, you you don't got any money. Um, Yeah. uh, It sounds like a hell of a father she had. Mm Mm-hmm. Seems like she has good values, though. Seems like he raised her with values, at least, no matter how few values he may have had, it seems like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, did, by the way, did you catch the name of the lawyer? Mr. Rakes? What's his first name? I did not get it. I didn't see the first name. Well, it's a Julian Fellows production, so why don't you take a gander? <laughs> Man, uh, there's so many character names I had to write down. Uh, but You think, think Julian, think broad strokes, Pull, zoom the camera out. I, man, where is he on IMDb? Dave, just give it to me, man. His name is Tom. Oh, now I see it. Tom Rakes. I Julian, mean, how many characters Julian are down? Uh, yeah, Julian Fellows does. Because Down Abbey has two Toms. Doesn't English uh, English game has two Toms? I believe. Right, it stars a Tom. I'm pretty sure. Uh, and this has a Tom. I mean, it was a common name back then. To be fair, this is a hundred uh, years before Down Abbey. What a common name. Right. They're not 100 and, years, 40 years. And, Dave, we should note, too, even as, as as we begin the show, too, this episode and all these episodes, for the most part, according to IMDb, are directed by Michael Engler, the director of the Downton Abbey movie. Mm-hmm. It's why he wasn't able to return for a new era. And you can kind of see that in the visuals of the show. It seems like... It's a little more you know, elevated in its production, I think. Definitely. It, wider shots. And then the score... It's not our boy John Lund. Definitely not John Lund. I was a little annoyed, upset about that. But in his stead, uh, we got the Gregson William brothers. Michael uh, Gregson. And then no, not Michael Gregson from from uh, down. Dave, are you familiar uh, with uh, the Gregson William brothers? And I am their not. Work? What? Is- uh, well, Rupert, he's done work for the Crown, so mm-hmm. a lot of music on that is you know that makes sense why they paid for him to do it here. He also scored such films as Wonder Woman and Aquaman. Uh, Harry Gregson Williams. Now that guy, he's an all timer. He did. He scored Shrek, uh, Armageddon. Uh, you name a Michael Bay movie from way back, he, he scored it. Transformers. Um, I don't know if he did that one though. Uh, I, I, what about I Transformers I too? I think those got away from him. But Dave, do you have uh, any echoes of uh, Bruce Willis blowing up asteroids when you're watching the show? I never. I've never seen Armageddon, so. Oh wait, he didn't do Armageddon. He only. I'm thinking of different action movies. He did Enemy of the State. <laughs> not, not that anyone cares. Anyways, the score is a little bit more pulse pounding than you'd got get on Down. Is my point really? He did Spy Kids. <laughs> <laughs> Na- name a, a, a movie you probably, if you're a millennial, a movie that you might have watched or. The Rundown. Your curve, you. <laughs> the Rundown. Do you have any vibes a, of The Rock? A little Brazil or wherever they go in that movie. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, though, so that's the production by this for the show. Back to the show itself. Just wanted to get that out of the way. Uh, 
she is going to have to live with some family members uh, mm-hmm. because she cannot afford her own place to live. Yeah, so she must be in her what, like late teens, early twenties? I'd say so. I think that's fair. So. The actress is uh, 30, 31? Yeah, just about. All these actors are, are of different ages, and we'll get to that in a moment. But, uh, yeah, Christine Baranski we are introduced to as Agnes uh, Van Rijn. Not thrilled that uh, this cousin is going to come stay with them. But Cynthia Nixon, Ada Brooke, is thrilled. Her So they're both aunts. And mm-hmm. the the story that we're supposed to gather is that they're all the Brooks who are um, related on their maternal side to old New York money. Yep. But Marion's father blew the family fortune and Agnes had to marry in a sort of of the time marriage to further herself socially. And now she's a mm-hmm. widow living with all the money that she married into. So now basically yeah, that- the sort of deadbeat not dead not that her, that Marion is deadbeat but her deadbeat brother's daughter is now leeching off of what she worked so hard for to get on her own. Right. Right. And that's kind of teased out throughout the episode. They're not upfront about it, but you, you kind of figure that out. Um they, they tell you a little bit later in the episode. So Marion is on her way there. Uh, she's at the train station. Uh, and Mr. Rakes, uh, Tom, we should just call him Tom. Tom, Tom is <laughs> Tom, Tommy boy. He, he's telling her, you know, I'd like to see you some more in a professional sense, of course. Now, he says, can I, a, can I write to you? And she says, nah. <laughs> yeah. On. She's quick to shut him down. Uh, and then she just hops on the train. It's like, bye bye. So long. <laughs> well, she doesn't um, just hop on the train. No, no, she does not hop on the train, but the, the rakes, so he, he's making it clear that he wants to be in touch because who knows, there may be other business that comes up and then he says bye-bye. Uh, she sits down, a commotion breaks out, some people get in a fight, and an old man steals Marion's purse. This is the most Julian thing ever where he just can't <laughs> handle the action. He's uh-huh. like, I just want the people to have conversation. So like this little fight happens and then like a minute passes and she gets up, she's like, my purse is gone. And there's no... No one helps her find it. No one, like, tries to find these people that were in the fight. They're just like, I don't know. Your purse is gone. Like, what are you going to do? We're not going to help you. Tough luck to you. Like, she's like, my my ticket just got stolen. And the train train person is, uh, I can't even think of The conductor, yes. The conductor. Is it the conductor? I don't know. But he's like, you need to have the ticket to get on the train. And, well, what are you going to do? She's in a panic. And she sees... uh, a woman named Peggy there. Yeah, an African American woman named Peggy. Peggy Scott. Uh who she rips and, her dress too when in this commotion. Right. And Marion's very apologetic about her uh, about it and she's asking for some help and Peggy looks as frazzled as she does. She's like, "I can't. What am I supposed to do to help you?" Mhm. Well, just got just don't have to ride in first class. You're just going to have to be in the back. Well, and Peggy pays for her tickets too. But yeah, I mean, yeah, she, she gets Peggy, her on the train. She's like, I got you, I got this. And Marion's effusive in, in, in thanking her, saying, you know, she, she'll do whatever it takes to repay her. And they, they they go back and forth on it to the point where Peggy's just like, can you just leave an envelope there with, with some cash and I'll come collect or something? Because mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if you want to see me around there. Because uh, where she's headed is uh, East 61st Street, mm-hmm. uptown in, in, in New York. 
and Peggy's from Brooklyn. That's where her family is at, and she is. We learned pretty early on not too excited about seeing her, her parents, specifically her father. She just mm-hmm. had to hide out from them a little bit. Yeah, but I feel like this is a. a I think Marion's reaction in this beginning intro sequence is one thousand percent proof that she is the vessel of which Julian wants us to witness this show because. Sure. You know, I'm not saying Marion's not a noble human being, but as a rich white woman in Pennsylvania in the 1880s, she would not be just so down to do this. And I think the fact that Julian makes her this sort of idealistic, understanding white woman in this period of time where that wouldn't happen is proof mm-hmm. that, like, oh, she's just okay with this. And even, I mean, we see later, even Agnes is incredibly... Um, <laughs> woke for lack of a better phrase yeah. towards her th- this is a classic julian trope though of always like painting oh aren't these uh, these rich people like aren't they just uh, like you know aren't they aren't they pretty noble can't they be kind and it's just like nine times out of ten julian no but for the purpose of the show yes i get it it makes sense that, that is what yeah, it well, is I'm, <laughs> I'm not not buying into it and saying these characters aren't okay yeah. Or aren't oh, no, no. decent people as characters. It but is it is just a Julian a, um, thing of like these are like the most altruistic people you can find. They're very, yeah, very righteous. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and we can just kind of continue down this path because it, it branches. It's you know there's the Russells and this, but I think for the purposes of keeping a, a steady through line of our discussion here, let's just stick with Marion. Yeah, at least till the epi- end of the episode, we can just sort of split it at the. Yeah, so they arrive. There's a storm coming. <laughs> they yeah. got some real dark skies, uh, and you can't get to Brooklyn. That, there's no subways to get you there, so you know you'd have to take a ferry, and that's just not running today. So mm-hmm. the least Marion can do is offer uh, Peggy a, a ride up to where her family is, and mm-hmm. maybe she can stay there. Yeah, and she goes and she said, tells on Ada, like this woman helped me out and got me through a pickle. Mm-hmm. I was robbed. Yep. You got to let her stay, and on Ada, you know, they bring her into Agnes, and Agnes pretty quickly allows for it, which I think is a, a another sort of Julian esque scene where this old widow who was in like the previous scene explained how unhappy she was in her life to gain social mm-hmm. notoriety is like, oh no, this this colored woman can totally stay with us after like one sentence. By the way, Dave, what are your early impressions of uh, Christine Bransky's uh, Agnes? She's she's the dowager. Yeah, I mean they're they're clearly aiming for her to have all the quips and, and be the sharpest of the bunch. And Bransky's very good in the role. I think she's actually been attached to this project longer than almost anyone because I mean she fits this role. Mm-hmm. She uh, she said in the interview on the official podcast that Agnes is a walking declarative statement, and I was like, that's just the definition of the dowager countess as well. So <laughs> yeah, I, I I will say. I think Julian needs to to get some reps in. He, 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 the the quips don't land quite as hard or as fast as like what is a weekend in episode one of Downton Abbey. Um, I, I do also feel like we watched two episodes back to back. I think if we let this marinate and maybe watched mm-hmm. it with a real fine tooth comb, it would have been we would have picked up on some stuff. Because even just watch, listening to this podcast where they replayed some of the audio clips, mm-hmm. I think it did resonate a little more like oh this is a, a pretty clever he's he hasn't lost his edge we'll see going forward though he's definitely yeah. not dowager memorable 
Yeah, I think maybe what I'm getting at too is like this episode throws a lot at you because it's 80 minutes. <laughs> uh, so a, so a there's movie, a movie, yeah. Yeah, a lot to take in. I was a little relieved to see that the second episode was 46 minutes. It's like, okay. A little relieved. I was thrilled. I did yeah, it, it makes it makes you think like Julian is free of the reins of the, you know, ITV and all the expectations of making 57 minute mm-hmm. episodes of shows. He can do whatever he wants here. Um anyways, so back to what we were saying here. Yeah, Agnes is okay with uh Betty staying there. But Betty has and to Peggy. Peggy, I'm sorry. Jeez. <laughs> Pe- Peggy has to go eat with the the downstairs staff who mm-hmm. are not thrilled. So Mr. Bannister is the head butler. And yep. he is not thrilled. He's he's again he's one okay of the, with it. He's the most of the most woke of that group. Right. Um, and I don't even know if it's wokeness so much as like he recognizes that she is our guest, so we have to treat her as such. Mm-hmm. And if that means like you know you would think she's below you, but no, she's above you here. Is it Mrs. Bruce? Is the one that the Irish one? Uh, she, she yeah, Mrs. Bruce is the the housekeeper, and she's like, Ms. does she have to sleep near us? The, the short one with the curly red hair. Or is that Miss Bauer you're thinking of? I, I think, don't believe it is Miss Bauer. I think it's Miss Bruce. I'm on IMDb. Let me click. No, because I think Miss Bruce is uh, the Russell's uh, servant. Oh yeah, so it is the the. There's too many, you know. Yeah. There's too many um, upstairs, upstairs, downstairs drama times two is a lot to, to keep track of. Right. 100%. Yeah. So these these people are kind of uneasy about even just her sleeping on the same floor as them they're just confused mm-hmm. it's it's passive racism you know they're or i don't even sure. know if that's the appropriate i mean it's just a, it's just a sign of the times back then yes yes yeah. they're not they're not um malicious they're just confused and concerned because this is the life that they've lived but we yeah. find out that peggy graduated from the first all-black high school in pennsylvania that mm-hmm. Agnes was a board member of or a donor to. And yep. she finds out that when, Pe- when Peggy is trying to make herself valuable to the family, she f- they, they find all this information out. And Agnes is just overjoyed at the fact that she can take shorthand and she can take dictation and she can mm-hmm. respond to letters. So right. pretty quick. Yeah. This is such a dense episode, but it's so fast that Agnes is like, I'm hiring you as my secretary full time. <laughs> Yeah, she gets in good real quick. Like, for a man, show that, what a fortuitous uh, chain of events to meet this Marion girl, <laughs> help her like, out. We won't, we will not mm-hmm. uh, socialize with new money, but a but a African American secretary, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Want you to be a secretary, um, and. Is this like shortly after that? They're, where they're having a, a dinner or, or something where. Marion is, is is like kind of declaring like she'll do what she wants in the house. She'll she's her own woman, <laughs> and Ada is telling her, uh, or no, Agnes is saying no. I have the money. You do as I say, <laughs> mm-hmm. and she's quick to just be like, no. And then Agnes is like, no. <laughs> Agnes and, tells well, Ada when to go to bed. <laughs> yeah, I mean she runs the show, as she should. Uh, Dave, what what are your thoughts on on Ada? Uh, so we talked about Agnes. What about Ada so far? I think they're like Statler and Waldorf. Mm. She's kind she, of she, the, the sort of whimsical spinster. So kind. So kind. She just wants people to follow their hearts and love. Because mm-hmm. yeah, they keep talking about who Marion should end up with. And it's just like Agnes is of the mind. It's gotta, she's, we have to hook her up quick with someone who has money. And, and 
Ada says, why not have it be, you know, for love? I think even, I mean, we're kind out of out of line here, but at one point she says, like, what about uh, Oscar, her, her first cousin? <laughs> and Agnes is like, no, no. <laughs> no this not, sent not me on Oscar. that spark. That sent me on the spiral of looking up marriage laws of first cousins. It is astounding how many states still legalize cousin to first marriages. No, no offense to listeners out there who may be married to their first cousins, but Maybe didn't know that have, was a thing. Shouldn't have done it. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's strange. It's you even know by the, it, if we ever enter, get get the, the get Julian Fellows on the horn, it can be like, "What's with you and cousins? <laughs> you really do like kissing cousins, don't you?" Uh, like, well, it's a, it's a delightful subject to tackle. <laughs> <laughs> Even in 1882, they're already starting to actually ban first cousin marriages in some states. It was like it, it wasn't like it was uncommon for people to, you know, be like, "This is strange." Okay. So, so to fast forward a little bit, because I feel like we just need to like burn through what these these people do. We meet Oscar, mm-hmm. and and when he meets Marion, um, mm-hmm. it's like, oh no, that's the. That's a, that's my cousin, you know. Like it's pretty quickly like like we don't want n- nothing to do with none of this because they're first cousins. Yeah, yeah, hundred um, percent. And really, a lot of the rest of this episode with Marion is just introducing her to Oscar. She meets uh, Larry Russell, who's the son of the Russells. We'll talk about in a moment. Yeah, there's uh, a dog. There's a dog. The dog. That's the dog is crossing the street. And almost gets hit by the carriage. Oh, oh, that dog. Yes, yeah. There's, there's, I didn't. I, I, is the dog in the second episode? There, there's so much. Going I think on. they refer to the dog. That's about it. Yeah. Uh. But. What was it? Do you want to shift gears to the Russells and then? Well, yeah, yeah, because they they are going to throw a party that involves Marion. So, yeah, Dave, what is the deal with the Russells here? The Russells have been in New York, but they this is their big house across the street, moving on up, to the mm-hmm. to the Upper East Side, right? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, more or less, uh, because uh, George Russell, he's a, a railway man. Uh, he's almost mm-hmm. like a Vanderbilt type who's just come into a bunch of new money because he invested in the rails and, and uh, trains. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, his wife is uh, Bertha Russell, who just wants to be a socialite. Right. She wants to be embraced and welcomed like you know other rich folk. You know, she she's waited her whole life to to be on that level. And the, this house they moved into has been in, in construction for about three years. They they mm-hmm. hired uh, a new uh, designer, not the one that the old money people have uh, you know contracted in the past. They got a new guy with modern sensibilities. Mm-hmm. So it's a very spacious, nice house that they have there. Uh, it even is referenced at one point too that uh, they have uh, a French chef too. So everything about them. Oh is yeah, just... they reference that they have a French chef. We get to meet. We get to meet. They got Steve Martin to play this guy. It's not Steve Martin. It's, it's some French guy, right? It's Steve. It looks like Steve Martin. Douglas Sills uh, as Monsieur Baden. But he looks I like Steve s- Martin. I don't. He does not look like Steve Martin, man. I don't know <laughs> who you're talking. He looks like chubby Steve Martin. Well, I, watch the next episode. Okay. All right. Think about, so Steve um, Martin went to France. Pink and Panther. Ate, yeah. Okay. Sure. I, I will think about Clouseau. Okay. Um, but they are literally living across the street from uh, Agnes. Uh, yeah, Agnes' last name is Aster, right? Agnes Van Rijn. Van Rijn, right, right, right. Miss Aster is uh, based on a real person who is sort of the, so the one who throws the party in Newport. Mm, that, that's who it is, yep. So, yeah, they, they've been living in the 30s, and now they're on 61st, and 
yeah, we, I mean, we get a big introduction to the house. Uh, they seem like a nice family, you know? They, yeah. They really do. They're woke, too, mm-hmm. it seems like, in a good way. Well, it seems like they're, and I think this is part of what the new money is, whereas they have more than the Van Ryans and the Brooks do. Mm-hmm. But a lot of it is less noble. Like they're entire. There's the scene where George like puts his feet up on the on the desk and and Bertha's like that was the the great Duke of of whatever country, that was his yeah. desk, and he's like, mm-hmm. well, it's mine now. So there's this sort of patchwork wealth where they're hiring outside people and they're putting together collections of furniture from foreign dignitaries that they're buying like like trophies the, yeah the new money is definitely much more like let's just put stuff together whereas the old money is local royalty to a certain extent mm-hmm. uh and we shortly meet their their, their children mm-hmm. there's uh larry russell played by harry richardson and uh gladys uh Gladys Russell, played by Tysa Formiga. Um, Dave, what did you think of Larry Russell's first appearance on the show? He's on Poldark? Oh, he's on late Poldark. Oh, he, he, we haven't watched where he shows up yet, but Dave, what did you think? I didn't like this guy. He was dull. He was boring. My biggest takeaway, I mean, I, 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 Jerry's still on if he's dull for me. I, I didn't mind him. The dude looks like he could be Bertha's brother. He does not look like her son. Well, Carrie Coon does not look her age either. Well, Dave, here, here's some statistics. I mean, I know it shouldn't matter, but she's 41 in real life. He is 29, and it definitely looks the case on this show. They they look like they are very much of the same age. I don't buy that. Well, yeah, give or take son. 11 years. Yeah, and I understand that. Okay, so some availability is opened up for these Broadway actors to come in, and you got a bunch of ringers who can really perform, but. There was no age difference between these two. I'm sorry. Like, like it makes no sense to me that this guy is like mother, and it's like, w- what mother? W- what are you talking about here? Um, even even um, uh, Tyson Formiga, she's 27, 28. She doesn't look it. She looks young. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even then, it's just like, okay, this this one is their mother. I can I can almost maybe see Amanda Pete being their mother, but like, man, there's no age difference here at wait, all. So wait a minute. Wait a minute. She. Yeah. Tysa Farmiga is... The sisters of Vera Vera, Farmiga. who is... Okay, hold on. Let me do this. She is... Sorry what for the silence. She is... Eight years older than Carrie Coon. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And they're sisters. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, I mean, listeners, let Stranger us know if... Uh, <laughs> that seems strange. Yeah, for, for sure. Um, anyways, though, uh, let's just kind of cover the, the, the children. So, um, Gladys doesn't do much this episode. She just wants to dress up and participate in things. Mm-hmm. She gets carried along. Yeah. And Larry Larry's goes home to... from college. This is his first time in the new house. Yeah. And he's going to Newport, which is sort of on the up and up, being becoming the wealthy town that it becomes in the swanky yeah in the gilded age and he goes to this party that mrs astor is throwing and he meets that's oscar. where we meet oscar uh, yeah oscar van ryan and then who's the other young woman there uh she's the daughter of one of the other uh rich folk uh 
it's uh, Aster. That's Miss Aster, right? That's Carrie Aster. She's the the daughter of Mrs. Aster. Yep. Uh, and uh, Dave, what did you think of Oscar's choice of glasses in this scene here? The tiny glasses. The red lenses. I thought it was. Uh, <laughs> it was. It was something. Looked like he walked out of the Wild Wild West. <laughs> or like a vampire not, movie. <laughs> and not to harp on ages, this guy now, Oscar, is supposed to be the son of uh, uh, Agnes. Agnes. He, the actor is 43 now, or going to be 43. And he's he's supposed to be, as we see, going after Gladys. And it's like, man, the age gaps here are just all over the map. Like, I don't, <laughs> he's older, I don't follow. He's older than Cary Coon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he is. And he's the child of the town. Uh, anyway, so, yeah, this Oscar fella links up with Larry, and they, they hit it off. They're, they're a friendly bunch, and they're having a good time out in Newport. That, that's pretty much our takeaway is, like, these young folks like to have fun. I Yeah, I feel like we're given the impression that Oscar's sort of the veteran rich kid. He's the yeah. old money rich kid, so he's sort of this aimless man who's, I, I think we're fun. led to believe, a little older than Larry. Yeah, definitely. I don't feel like we have like an analog or um, a compare, a comparable character on, on Downton to him, really, like a freewheeling, like young sport out there. No, I mean, he I feels like Mary. a um, like a what's uh, the crown, the the sister, Helena Bonham Carter. Oh yeah, Prince, yeah, yeah. Ma- Princess Margaret, like Princess a Margaret. sort of yep. freewheeling rich person who's just sort of living this sort of fun life of of just being his mother's and father's son yeah and, and we can get to the end of this episode quick with oscar because not much happens with him but he's in bro- another julian trope <laughs> yeah he because during watching this episode i was like where's the gay character that's what julian loves to toss in there's like one guy who's gay he's got to deal with the, whatever the pressures are there and then Right as I was like asking myself that, Oscar is smooching another man, and it's like, there we go, there, there we have it. There, there's the Julian effects. Yep. You put that on your Nailed Julian it. Fellows bingo card. Yeah. Um, and beyond that scene, that's the only reference to it between these first two episodes. I don't even acknowledge it whatsoever in the second yeah, episode. Yeah. That's why I thought he might have been like cool to go for his cousin because it's like, hey, this is all just something keeping up appearances. I mean, the merit, it, I mean, it, it's still out there. He Maybe he goes both ways. Who knows? Honestly. But we, I, do I, know we don't that, know enough uh, about this guy. Yeah, Agnes was straight up like, he, she's, he's not going for, he's not going for Marion because Marion doesn't have any money. He's looking for an heiress. Right. right. And also our family kind of needs to keep money pumping in because mm-hmm. we only have our money, so we need more money. Mm-hmm. And also they're cousins. It's gross. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> Julian, enough. <laughs> yeah. Ada is, Ada is actually the surrogate for Julian. No, it's okay for cousins to kiss and date. It's totally normal. Uh, anyways, though, back to the Russells, though. So they're just trying to fit in. Mm-hmm. And there is this uh, women's group that, that is uh, supports charity uh, in aid of orphan children, of, of orphan girls. or yeah, Trying to train... Women. Um, orphans to become servants, which is the least eloquent way that they could word it. Yep. And the, and I, who, one of the characters says, "Really? That's what you do?" And they say, "It's a noble cause." And it's, yeah, it is. But you know, maybe word <laughs> yeah, it a little differently. Yeah. Uh, so there was a meeting uh, for you know the friends and cause take place. It's taking place at Fifth Ave. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so th- th- they feel this is an ideal way to kind of like introduce themselves and meet people. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, yeah, this is where we start to meet more like the the people of of the town. So um, there's the mysterious Chamberlain woman who they don't want anyone to talk to. Right, played by Jean Triplehorn. Uh, she's decked out to the nines. Everyone's looking at her. Uh, Miss Morris is there. Uh, Hain? What's the name? Hame? Fane. Miss Fane. Miss Fane is there as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, they're just not too hot uh, about Bertha because she's got that new money. Yeah, but she want you know they they want her money, but they don't want her presence. And, and Bertha's trying to fit in. Uh, she was about to wear a brooch to the thing uh, where her aide says, maybe don't wear the brooch. <laughs> that, that'll stand out a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, Ada and Marion, uh, they're at the function. You know, th- that's where they briefly meet, uh, I think, uh, Gladys and, and, and them. And... Uh, yeah, everyone's looking at, at Chamberlain. I mean, it's really just a meeting of the people and just kind of underscoring that Bertha is the odd person out here with her daughter. Yeah, yeah. And we see that, um, is this where Bertha starts set, sort of setting the feelers out that she wants to start entertaining and she wants to start having people over to get to know the, the locals? Right, she wants to throw a, a you know a big introductory like a housewarming kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we also see a scene here of uh, George uh, around this time of uh, an episode of you know talking about the railroad, uh, talking to someone else to try and cut a deal with, and the other guy is not not too uh, down to play ball with. with uh, no, this is the, the, the railroad. woman's husband when they're visiting the house for the first time, right? Oh yeah, they come to visit in this episode, right? Yeah, yeah. Or is it the second episode? We're getting confused. I think I'm it, looking at my notes, and it, we have uh, some stuff going on in the first episode. Okay. Yeah, because the, the, oh no no this is the older the, the older dude. Right, the older guy. It's not it's not the other ones, <laughs> the, folks. This is what you can expect with us trying to keep tabs of our notes. This is the fact that we're doing two episodes at once. This, bear with us, George. Yeah. George, it's telling this dude. He said. I'm going to buy you out. And the guy says, yeah. no, he's not going to buy him out. He's going to run next to him. He says, why are you going to run a train line next to me? Why not just counter my offer? And he says, I don't counter offers, man. You should have yeah. made this deal with me the first time because now look Played at you. Uh, now I'm going to put you out and everyone I work with in the future is going to know not to screw with me and take my first offer because there will be no counter. And the guy's yeah. like, come on, man. And this was, again, get your Julian Fellows bingo card out. 46 minutes in, what does he say? calls the guy a fool right what does the guy call him i didn't write that down the guy says you bastard <laughs> and then he said he said I'd, ra- I'd rather be a bastard than a fool uh-huh and, and that guy storms out is that when we get we catch uh miss turner or at least it happens in this episode the 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 aid little, little tension yeah she she gives like a look at george a, a lusty look and then one of the other servants is like tread lightly Yep. So maybe this is a thing that's happened before. Yeah, and we'll cover that right now. I mean, Miss Turner, uh, she's one of the helpers in the house, and we see her briefly later, later this episode, also complaining that she has to work for this family that is just a bunch of new ma- money, doesn't respect the old ways of how they ran things, and she mm-hmm. just does not like working there. And that that's uh, Miss Turner character uh, in a nutshell. She's a sourpuss. Yeah, but she's not progressive. She's not like a 
mm-hmm. um, Braithwaite or something like that. No, she's not. She's not an end up Braithwaite. Not not too progressive, uh, but she definitely has designs for for George based on her eyes. Uh, so, anyways, though, back to Bertha. She wants to show off the house. Things are moving fast nowadays. They got a nice house. Uh, and yeah, she she's gonna throw a, a big thing. She's gonna send out letters to everyone, personal mm-hmm. invites to to have them come up. Yeah, and we see they say, oh, she's a little get together, like two hundred people. Uh huh. And it's a big deal because they even invite Stanford White, the guy who d- designed the house, to be there to a- answer any questions that people have about the house itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh. You know, people are curious about the house. They have a full full course meal being being created for, from French. It looks like they just went went to the the right right to the water and pulled them right out. Yeah. And uh, by this point, Marion's already met Larry after trying to save that uh, that dog, dog in the middle of the road, uh, and she wants to creep over because she wants to see some more of that Larry. Yeah. So Pe- well, she just wants to be part of New York. She wants to live her life. That too. Uh huh. So uh, Peggy helps her get out, mm-hmm. and she goes, and she uh, has a little moment, an uh, awkward moment, because the tension is high already yeah. between the new money and the old money, and not many people t- turn up. No, no, and this Miss Fane shows up, and Bertha She's goes up. Only, yeah, she only tells her, like, I'm here because I have to be, kind of, like, no one else is going to show up, and then... Bertha's like, you can just leave, you know, get. And everybody sees it. Yeah, straight up. And, uh, I mean, long story short, end of the night, not that many people showed up, and Bertha's pretty upset. Mm -hmm. This is difficult. This is a difficult thing to climb. But but there was also this the moment earlier in the episode where George is like, why don't we invite our old friends from downtown? And Bertha's like, I don't want to be associated with them anymore. Right. So you can't be like, well, poor Bertha, because this is not some noble feat she's trying to achieve. She just wants to be more popular. Uh huh. And she's crying, and it seems it seems like this this relationship seems very uh, sim- like symbiotic, like they need each other. Where, and and this is something that I believe Julian brought up in the interview, where the women didn't have the voting rights or all these sort of rights that the men had, but. Mm-hmm. The women steered the social ship, and the women were the ones that were using the money to design the houses and to okay the design. So, you know, this is sort of Bertha's life work right here is is yeah. the social status, which again is not noble, but at the same time, neither is strong arming your competition into going out of business. So the Russells are ruthless, and we see that at the end of this episode where she is just bawling in bed that. You know, she feels like she's failed or failing. She can't keep up with this pace. And George seems like a stand-up guy. He's there for you. Like, he feels for her, you know, to really, you know, show herself mm-hmm. off. You know, I think he's similarly proud of what they've accomplished as well. And it's a, it's a pity that people, you and he, know. He seems very open to just sort of giving her all the responsibility outside of what he does for work. It's less yeah. of a burden for him to worry about. Right. And it's funny that there's a moment where well, all this food is going to go to waste. Well, we can send it to, you know, the people who are needy and need that food. And one of the guys is like, what are they going to do with lobster dip? <laughs> like, just imagine all being just... a, a homeless person and you go to get the soup kitchen one day and it's lobsters. You're like, whoa, yeah. oh, all right. I mean, if you live here in New York, it, 
usually, you know, when people are asking for money, and you can be like, well, here's a sandwich, they'll be like, no, why would you give me that? Because they just want whatever cash you can give them. And it's like, mm-hmm. sorry. Or you give them like a, a dollar or two, and they're like, no, I want a five piece. And it's like, man, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to help you. Yeah, it's just, you know, that is how it goes. I, I don't know. But, but that's, yeah, that, I, I don't know how, how, quick, how excited they were about lobster salad. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure they, if a meal's a meal, they're just not used to high, high society food. Yep. And that sort of wraps episode one. So. Before we jump into episode two, which we'll do in like 30 oh, we seconds. we do get the Oop. thing at the end. I mean, not to jump ahead, but was it Carrie Astor? She goes to meet her mother. Uh, and, and that's where we, it's an awkward, like, introduction of like, yeah, there's this Astor family too, by the way. Mm-hmm. And the Astors, you know? I believe, are are real. Yeah. And, and you know, uh, they was no, Carrie she comes down and she's like, oh, mom, did you go to that thing? And her mom's like, no, don't be silly. I wouldn't have gone to that thing. And it's like, okay. Good, good to know we got that with the, them too. <laughs> uh, so, anyways, yeah, that's that. That's that episode, Dave. So before we move on, good premiere, yes or no? I think it was solid in terms of setting things up, but this is a show I think that demands watching a few episodes before you're fully like enjoying what's going on. Yeah, that's why I don't. Only- I don't feel like uh, I'm doing a disservice to the fan base by Mm-mm. getting some names wrong. Uh, yeah, I agree. A, it was a very a dense premiere but it wasn't bad it was it was fellowsy not as funny as i wanted it to be but yeah again that could just be as we adjust to the tone we go back and be like oh agnes was funny and the ada's funny in this you know mm-hmm. we might come around to it so let's jump into episode two we get the full-on theme song and opening credits these opening like title cards are some of the most expensive i feel like i've seen on tv this is maybe why nbc cannot afford the show this is this <laughs> or, side or of Peacock. the crown man this was i i this was like Game of Thrones. Yeah, this is like next level where by the end of it, they're showing you some porcelain that is CG, but it looks so real. <laughs> I was, I was well, astounded. I'm I was I like, it once because I'm going to hit skip intro every episode going sure, forward. For sure, for <laughs> sure. But I'm, I'm sure Julian watched it and was very pleased. As he, he should be. I mean, uh, whoever did the crown opening credits is probably proud of that animation sequence, and I'm not watching that ever again. No, no, it's just too long. Uh, this show opens with a scene for my favorite plot line of the episode. I don't know. Do we want to tackle this one right now? So you talking about? Are, are you talking about the Julian Fellows bingo card? The another hundred percent, hundred percent pilfering maid. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. This is the best thing to happen over these two episodes with Miss Bauer. <laughs> uh, but we see that early on, she's getting accosted by a man as he's chasing like her thug. to where she works. Yeah, it's like they he went to like the, the local wrestling show and picked like a German wrestler and just put him in a bowler and said. Rough up this woman, yeah. And that's it. So we have no idea what, what's going on uh, with, with Miss Bauer. Why? Why should we care? Uh, we get a brief we moment. Just say, of her, the guy's like, "Give me, you owe the money. Give me the money." Yeah, we get a brief moment of her uh, making some salad where she's crying, and, and someone asks, well, "What's wrong?" And she's like, "Oh, I just chopped some onions." And it's like, man, she is really distraught. Why are we getting so invested in this lady so soon? Um, but. She gets accosted again. She, we, we see her um, trying to steal a couple of candlesticks, mm-hmm. some wares. And uh, she, she's trying to hand it to the man. And he's like, I don't want this. Like, and he shut. Yeah. And he kind of just like shoves her away. And she's trying to pick herself up. And then and, and Betty Marian shows up. Her. Oh, is it Marion? I Marian, thought it was Betty. Oh, Peggy and Mar- Well, Peggy and Marion are sort of the. Oh, Peggy. God, no. Oh, wait. Is it? It's uh yeah it's Be- it's Peggy it's Peggy I'm mm-hmm. sorry I get the names so I, I don't know why I want to say Betty I don't know why what's wrong with me but Peggy Caesar 
And we have the moment where Miss Bauer is like, can you tell them to go away? The people who are standing on the street just watching her on the ground collect these wares. I think uh, this is the old money staff are getting accosted mm-hmm. for this. Right, right. So and this is a this is a Julian twofer. This is not only is she a thief, she's mm-hmm. addicted to gambling. <laughs> that's that's what we find out because off off screen she tells her tells uh, Peggy about her gambling habits uh, that have spiraled out of control to the point where she has a fifty dollar debt that she mm-hmm. needs to uh, pay. And they're like fifty dollars. Yeah, Holy I mean, guacamole. So you tell that to uh, Marion, and, and Marion's like, well, man, I'll, okay, well, i got to figure out a way to help her, obviously, because she's a, she's a nice uh, cook downstairs. Mm-hmm. She, she's, she's a good person. Eventually, it's arranged where Marion has the bright idea of, because throughout this episode, we see Oscar inquiring about Gladys, the Russell's daughter. He, he, he wants some money. He wants to get in on that. Uh, he's not gay from what we can tell in this episode, mm-hmm. right? Uh, he wants that. So she proposes that, well, she can introduce him to Gladys if he can give her $50. Uh, that doesn't shake out because Ada overhears their conversation. She, she approaches Oscar about what's the deal there. Uh, and then Ada, you know, Cynthia Nixon, comes to uh, Marion to say, I'll, I'll front the $50, okay? Because I care about the staff. I want good things to happen. Don't involve Oscar. You just have to tell me. Just come mm-hmm. to me. Uh, and she's like, I'm the righteous one here. Nobody else. <laughs> I'm the good person. Do not talk to Agnes. She will not appreciate this. Uh, and then that's resolved. Miss Bowers' troubles. <laughs> I mean... They're over and done with. It's funny, because they make such a point of, you know... Uh, uh, Bauer telling uh, Peggy, I need to repay you somehow. And then Peggy telling Marion, I need to repay you somehow for helping me. And then Marion telling Ada, like, you need to repay me somehow for helping me. Who is Marion? I mean, what what is uh, Bauer going to do to repay? You know, she doesn't have any money. What, what, what is going you on there? You stop shaking dice in the alleys. <laughs> I, I like the way when, when they describe the game. It's like, mm-hmm. it's a simple game. You only yeah. need a dollar. And you play in the street. Anyone can play. <laughs> That is one of my like, favorite well, things. That sounds. I go shoot some dice. Honestly, when people ask me what I do in New York, that is the thing I always tell people I do is I shoot dice and alleys because it's one of the most fun things you can really you know get up to. Just just look. Yeah, for you it. get in so. Imagine getting in such debt from shooting dice in the alley. <laughs> it's like no, no no I got paid Friday I'm gonna come back and be on one knee in the alley trying to get some, some snake eyes. Didn't they say at one point she was like trying to trade like copper or something too? Like she even have cash? Yeah, like, she got from Carmore. I really look forward to the gambling exploits of Miss Bauer. I hope it like takes it to another level. We'll see. I have a feeling this will just do more setup for for Julian Fellow's tomfoolery. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in the first episode we get the people knocking into each other and stealing Marion's purse. Now we get this. I hope there's some form of theft in every episode. I, I love mm-hmm. it. I'm here for it. That was Dave. Did you enjoy that plot line? No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Again, Sorry, it's very man. fellowsy. It's fine. It's, it's, it's a... <laughs> I'm here for the fellowsy of it all, okay? Um, so early on, uh, Marion, uh, you know, who we saw in the first episode say, I am my own woman. Delight in trying on new, clo- new clothes that Ada is paying, or um, a- Agnes is paying for. Mm-hmm. You know, Marion, who is so strong to position herself, is like, I am my own person. And it's like, well, She's like here clothes. I am getting clothes. <laughs> Isn't this great? With Peggy, who was like brought on 
because of me. <laughs> right. Even Peggy is just enjoying herself. Uh, you know what's crazy is in my notes I have Betty. Even though her name is Peggy, I just in my head I just Mandela affected that her name is Betty for some reason. You'll get around next week or the week after. It is it is Peggy. Uh, yeah, we, well, we get news that the lawyer is in town. Uh, Tom, Tom Rakes. Mm-hmm. And he it's wants like to great. You know, I, re- I I don't need this. I don't need this story to happen. What story is that? I don't need this small town lawyer coming to New York City to chase this girl that doesn't like him. I don't need it. I'm sorry. Well, I, I don't know. I think the jury is out whether she likes him or not. She, she's not outright against him. It's just that the guy doesn't have quite as much money as she needs. I think. I don't think he's. I mean, she she claims that she'll be just fine in that first episode. That she'll be just fine without mm-hmm. him. I just don't need. I feel like uh, you're, we're going to need to do some work to make Tom Rakes worth my time. I'm not interested in him. Well, right it now. sounds like he's coming into some money. I mean, we'll 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 just go through it now. This this Tom fellow, he's start some new position or something where he's coming to more money at least and mm-hmm. he's or applying for jobs at least in New York that would also bring him more money so we may be seeing more of him in the future soon enough mm-hmm. and I don't know if we blew over this in the, in the first episode I think we may have but Peggy had met with her mom in the first episode to yep. get some money uh, to repay uh, or what was it or no 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 she doesn't go to get money she doesn't she want the to, money yeah right it's just, Agnes stipulates that she has to meet with her mom before she works with her just mm-hmm. so just we to know let that her she, know that she's alive basically exactly which her mom you know proceeds to give her money but she does not want to meet with her father there's something there that we don't know about yeah so from, her dad doesn't like the fact that she was a, a poet and an author and a writer mm-hmm. not supportive of her future parents told me the same yeah Yep, that's why your your poetry is <laughs> DOA. <laughs> exactly, uh, but uh, yeah. So we see that that she's kind of strained relationship with her parents, um, mm-hmm. but she, she needs to talk with Rakes or some lawyer of any sort. But at least that Rakes is in town for some advice with, around her father. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, what was it? So. I mean, even though she's the secretary to Agnes, she's kind of becoming like Marion's right-hand woman because she gets to follow her around to keep her company. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they devise that they'll meet at the Bethesda Fountain here in New York. Yep. Uh, they definitely filmed on location there. One of the most iconic spots in all of New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's where the end of John Wick 2 takes place. It's where Blade kills a vampire. Uh, That's where Loki gets sent away to a space prison, right? Yeah, yeah, it is iconic, and uh, and it looks like they filmed it legit. Uh, yeah, they, yeah, they did. Yeah, it definitely looks like it. And, and so, Rakes gets to talk to uh, Peggy, but they're still Julian's cl- holding his uh, cards close to the vest. We don't see what they talk about. Mm-hmm. It just kind of happens. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Marion bumps into is it uh, Gladys who's out there? Uh. Right, when they're at the, the fountain. I didn't write it down. It's another one of those sort of women folk the from the meeting, right? Yeah. And is this where they talk about the bazaar, or is that later, or is that earlier? I'm sorry. This is there's these two episodes. I watched them back to back, and it was a lot of content. Um, yeah. But. Uh, yeah, I, 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 
Man, we are tr- we're tripping up here. Either way, it's one of the rich people she's talking to. And, uh, yeah. So, isn't, so it, isn't, that, that... isn't it, uh, what's her name? Gladys? It's, it's Louise, uh, not, blah, blah, blah. sorry. It's Gladys. Um, no, it is yeah, Gladys. It is Gladys. Gladys Turner yeah. Because they're trying on a new dress, new dress, uh, with her. Mm-hmm. I had it right the first time and you, you led me astray. Damn it, man. Uh, anyways, it's just an exchange of pleasantries. It's just the, like, check-in. But it's uh, funny how this generation is sort of, and it's like, I don't, I don't know how you were in a, in, in a suburban neighborhood where, you know, you mm-hmm. have some neighbors that have a dispute and they don't talk because of whatever happened between them. But yeah. their kids are all playing in the same park and they're like, hey, I'm cool with you. Are you cool with me? I'm cool with you. I'm cool. With, what's going Like, you know, there's the sort of we right. know that our parents don't get along, but we will put the differences behind us because exactly. we're young people and we want to be cool and get along. Yeah. And uh, it kind of sets the table a little bit more for Mary potentially having it in with Gladys to introduce Oscar uh, later mm-hmm. in the episode. But yeah, Rakes leaves that information that he may be back around because of work and money and stuff. But that is pretty much what goes on with the lawyer this episode. Fine by me. He he, he does say like, I, I I will be staying staying around for the night, and I got nothing to do. And it's just like, well, you know, <laughs> have fun. <laughs> See you. Yeah, have, have fun your own, bro. <laughs> See you back in Pennsylvania. Bye bye. Um. The guy definitely has some designs for her, though. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So anyway, I feel like the main driving story for the rest of the episode is this bizarre. Sure. Because as I don't think there's anything that that goes by well, it, in, in regards to the Van Rines moving something well, forward truly without the bizarre as is. Right. I mean, we see some ramp up to it because George is trying to get some investors uh, for his railroad or bring people in. You know, this Mm -hmm. is his way of getting closer to people. So, yes, this this is where he approaches uh, Mr. Morris about a business opportunity. He sends them a letter to come over. Yeah. And that's that's where they come and visit. Uh, And yeah, it's a a big old home that they have and and they're impressed. He's able to talk to Mr. Morris one on one and it's pretty convincing to him in terms of like. You know, co-sign with me on this because and he's a politician. It's like if you if you pass this law, yeah, that'll make things a lot easier for us going forward. And you will benefit. <laughs> you, so basically, get... insider trading stuff going on. So, something. It seems a little bit more legal, though. It seems a little bit more fair. But it, like, me, legal. He's talking about passing a law. It seems like yeah, you know, it's off the books. If 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 this guy does it, it's not illegal. He's that is true. Yeah, I, I, I am in the wrong there, actually. And we see that uh, there's the moment where they're showing him around the house, and they say, "Oh, where do you usually do this bizarre?" And mm-hmm. they say, "Oh, it's at the armory." And they say, "Well, if it can't be at the armory, why don't you do it at our house? We have this massive ballroom. We were about to have 200 people over. Like, we can handle a bizarre." Right, because they're, like, they're con- contemplating leaving Fifth Ave to have it uh, somewhere else. In, in well, the it's supposed city. to be at the ar- this armory. And if it falls through at the armory, they're going to go to the Fifth Avenue Hotel as the backup. Right. That's and they what, say, that, that, why that's pay for is. a hotel when you can come to my house and do it here for free? It's a charity event. And they're, yeah. and, and the Morrises are like, okay, that sounds cool. Yeah. And uh, that's when, uh, I mean, pretty much like in the middle of the episode, Bertha's reading the newspaper. Mm-hmm. And she sees that the event's location has shifted to the armory after they had offered their space to them to, to do it. Which they yeah, which yeah. they know would be nice because there's a new house and everything. And Bertha straight up throws her her breakfast. 
she gets she gets heated in these episodes here. She really wants to be in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's not not doing great. <laughs> I feel for her. Uh, but anyways, I mean, I th- they're they're in, they're welcome to come to the bazaar though. Mm-hmm. And we should also note that um, Aunt Agnes is not thrilled that Marion is volunteering at a booth selling some wares, uh, crafts or clothes at this bazaar she thinks it's sort of below the old money even though it is charitable it's not really some great thing that she's doing yeah uh just man how how many notes do i have Um, this this episode is very straightforward right i mean the only other thing to, to add is that we do see some more of the downstairs interactions on the russell side and mm-hmm. we see that monster uh by den uh miss bruce the other woman she kind of fawns over him she kind of looks at him pretty fondly mm-hmm. uh so that's a that's a thing maybe <laughs> i mean we, we do see like brief interactions with the bald guy on their side who's uh like their their own mr uh bates or, or banister uh watson as they call him you, you, you may it may look like he's going to butt heads with Miss Turner sometime. I feel I think. Mm-hmm. Uh. Anyways, though. Also, I like in this episode, by the way, just on the side, when they go to the Bethesda Fountain. Oh, this was commissioned by so and so ten years ago to be built here. It's like every chance they can in this episode. Like, oh, here's some history about a thing you may know. By the mm-hmm. way. And it's like okay. And I feel like thanks, um, Julian. <laughs> that's what 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 julian does julian likes injecting a little history in there too i think it's also just like julian has spent so much time reading about the gilded age because he had to educate himself about that he's just kind of showing off like look what i learned folks Mm -hmm. i learned a lot here look at me good good job i'm smart i'm a lord by the way the cane game in this show is strong the canes that these men have are some legit canes i don't know if you were looking at them dave Mm -hmm. i I, i'm kind of like thinking i need to buy a cane I mean, you had one. I did. Have, I had a cane because I had a foot or ankle surgery a couple years ago. It wasn't like I was like adopting a cane as a lifestyle choice. This is definitely a lifestyle choice. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> wait. They're that. good canes. They're, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to add to the cane right. game? <laughs> Just keep an eye out for them is all I'm saying. Anyways, though, I think, yeah, we can we can leap ahead where uh, they're having this... Uh, th- th- this thing you know this function this uh the bazaar sort of fundraising craft fair yeah selling stuff to to raise money for the poor children uh oscar finagles away in there uh everyone's showing up larry it's, it's a lot of circling of oscar larry you know Marion, like, yeah Gladys. nice single over there can, can we get with them yada yada we did see earlier just to, to jump back that there is a scene where Oscar brings Larry Russell over to the house and there's an interaction yeah. between him and the Van Rynes mm-hmm. and it's a little weird and awkward but Aunt Ada is pretty cool about it yeah, yeah he's a nice guy so it's like, you yeah. know it's one of these things where like I said it's like when your neighbor comes over and they don't get along their parents don't get along with your parents yeah like, what yeah. do you just, really just, want to do you can't parents. blame that person even yeah, though that Aunt Ada has said like we will never associate with that new money gang it's like well then you right. know they're here Yep. So, smash cut to this uh, bizarre that's going on. Miss Chamberlain walks in. Miss Chamberlain, uh, who hadn't spoke the first episode, 
Everyone's warning Marion against interacting with her. The the dirt is um, her money is dirty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and but she interacts with Marion nonetheless. She seems friendly. She seems like a friendly woman. And she seems grateful that Marion is is being the righteous character who's talking to her in a world of people that ignore her. Yeah, still don't know where that money came from. Uh, but I she feel like friendly. this is one of those situations where Julian Julian's like. I have a trick up my sleeve, and we're like, dude, he introduced like thirty-five characters. I really don't care about right. this, this one mysterious I, I, interloper in the background. I would love to find out that Chamberlain's money came from her shooting dice in back alleys. That's how she actually got so rich. She was actually a real pro at shooting Maybe dice. Maybe it's a dowager in disguise or something like that. It's like, oh, I've tricked you. <laughs> oh yeah, it's like related to some Downton character potentially. Um, so. Uh, Aunt Ada and uh, Agnes walk in just as Chamberlain walks off, and they're like, "Don't think you got away with uh, you know interacting with her. We we saw that." Uh, and that's when George Rot walks in. Yep, the whole he's group, asking, the whole Russell clan walks in. Yeah, he's asking for Mister Morris, and they said uh, it looks like he'll miss you today. George is not pleased. Mm-hmm. So he he puts on a show here. Uh, he says, how much are you looking to raise today? Well, he says, like, wait, so you moved it to this armory. Was our home not good enough for, you know, putting on the show? And they're just like, humana, humana, humana. Uh, <laughs> what do we do here? Uh, and and he's, how much are you looking to raise? Now they say, like, $30? Yeah, he goes up to one of the, the, the tables there. And he's like, yeah, how much are you asking to raise? She says, 30 to 40 How's 100 sound? <laughs> he gives her 100 He's like... I want to. Can you box it up in an hour and put it? Get it to my house. You know my house. Dismantle like, the store afterwards. <laughs> yeah, disman- dismantle the store, and he goes booth to booth. Benjamin Franklin. And there's like a collective like silence among this crowd here as he does this. They just can't believe this man's money, and it's like not a simple hundred dollar bill. Like these hundred dollar bills back then were like these thick, like big pieces of paper. Mm-hmm. Uh, the dude was and, doling out. And this is the guy in in Mr. Morris is the one who who mm-hmm. was the invest potential investor. And and there was a yep. scene with the two of them in a, a horse and buggy where he's like, I don't know if I could do this with you, George, right? And there's some sort of disagreement there. Right. I mean they're still kind of mostly on the same page. Like they give each other dap essentially at the end of it. Yeah, yeah. That's where yeah. the Kane game is strong, is in that scene for sure. Um but yeah, the this party scene, is over. The party's over, and George is like, "You already be congratulated, you know." <laughs> He's like, "Good, you, uh, you raised more money than you ever thought you could." And they all start leaving, and, and um, Agnes is like, "Let's go, let's just get into this crowd." I mean, that's disappear. the one quip I wrote down: "Is the, the ship is sinking, must follow the rats." And I was like, "That's that's a good one." Miss <laughs> um, Astor again. We we wrap the episode with them uh, close to them being the wrap again, where she's back early. And uh, her daughter, Carrie, is like, why are you back so early? And she's like, oh, George decided to end it early, and now I got the morning back to myself. A, a rare treat. <laughs> end scene. All right. <laughs> okay. Maybe Julian just likes the sort of real people to, to bookend the episodes. It, it's funny that, like, this almost feels like the opposite of a Netflix show, where there's a, a clear uh, try, tr- hook to try and get you to come back and stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And uh, this is just like foot down at the end of every week. He's like, "Here you go." It's just like he's just like I couldn't write any more this week, guys. I'm sorry. I'm tapping out. I, did, <laughs> I can't I did, write. I did an hour and a half. I did two hours last week. You really think I'm, I'm going to do 46 minutes and call it a day this time? The credits are two yeah. minutes in the beginning. He says, 
stretch the opening credits. I want some more <laughs> yeah. CG. Next week, the, the opening credits will be like five minutes long or something. Julian's just taking you know a vacation here with his HBO money. Oh, just let yeah, let him. He's taking a parachute. Um, good, good up a couple episodes. Where, where are you at right now in Guild Age? Episode two. I, I liked episode two. It was still, a lot of fun. It, there's still a lot of characters I don't care about. Mostly the downstairs sure. characters, and I feel like thinking about Julian juggling two families clashing mm-hmm. as well as their upstairs downstairs dynamic is a Rubik's cube that's going to get very complicated very quickly. There is something strange about how much time he allocated to Miss Bauer in this episode considering she seems even like a third tier <laughs> helper downstairs. She's like a like she below doesn't... Daisy. She's an Ivy. Right, right. I, I, so see where that goes but yeah the, the George flexing on everyone was great and I, I do like Bertha's like out of control reactions to stuff. She She is a live wire. I'm in. Mm-hmm. This makes me. I feel like I, I'm a. I'm very pro Carrie Coon. Yeah. And and Bertha is not my kind of character. I'm. I'm, I'm okay. She makes me uncomfortable. Okay. I, I'm warming up to Oscar a little bit more this episode. He seemed a little bit smarmy in the first episode, but this mm-hmm. one he seemed a little bit more like subdued. Yeah, yeah, and he's got some quips too. He he can go. He's a, you know, chip off the old rock there. Yeah, he's he's better than Larry. <laughs> yep. So we did just so, power rankings for these two episodes combined. We've been, yeah, you know, it was a lot to, lot to and I unpack. think honestly, the, the rankings would have been the same, similar for episode one as they are for this one for me. So, yeah, and I feel like episode one is so much table setting that it's almost like let's just go where the plot actually starts moving. So, yeah, do you want to get started on who's going down, Corey? Hundred uh, percent. Miss Bauer's got a gambling addiction and she <laughs> needs some help. <laughs> she is down at number three. If she didn't get some help from her friends, she would have been <laughs> out on the street. So got to get that thing in order All right, well going down number three i got bertha i feel like she's this is okay. a struggle this is she has sure you know she she how many lobsters is she throwing away even though money is not an object she is not getting the respect that she wants and we, and we talked about it earlier with with the george making the money and mm-hmm. bertha crafting the social life she's not winning yet so i'm not going to yeah. give her much anything positive this week sure well, at number two, I got Miss Turner. She's just very upset to be working for uh, the Russells. And um, TBD on, on where she's at with with George. I don't, I don't like her vibe. She's negative Nancy. Not not feeling her. Okay. Down. Okay. Well, number two, I got, I got Tom Rakes. Okay. I feel like this dude told the girl in Pennsylvania, he's like, hey, can we still talk? And she's like, no. And the next week, he's like, I'm here to visit. And she's like... Okay. Yeah. And and he's he, she's basically says, "Can you help my friend with this thing?" And he's like, "Yeah, sure. Do you want to hang out later?" And she's like, "No." He's really yeah, gonna, he, we're gonna need to to get somewhere with this guy. He does fast get shot down twice. Before I sure. care about him. Well, for me, going down number one is Bertha. She gets shut down a couple times in a row here. She's not too happy with where things at, even with all the money that she has. She she got to climb her way up. She, she by the end of episode two, she hasn't really improved her circumstances yet with the the local folk so yeah well my number one is morris okay he missed out on a good deal (laughs) no mrs morris the the, oh mrs morris okay and and i believe it's aurora fane the whole gang of putting together this bizarre because they're too proud to go to this new money thing and 
Yeah. They get flexed on in perhaps the biggest flex in a Julian production we've seen by one character. Yeah, they get owned thoroughly. <laughs> Aside from like Tom Branson stopping an assassination, this is just handing out $100 bills to these people that want to make $30. He's like, no, 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 double it. Get out of here. Send it to my house. I'm probably going to donate it to the yeah. poor. It's, yep. oof. Yeah. Magnificent. Well, well, Dave, who, who's going up for you? Number three, I got Marion because, okay, you know, this is a new world for her. She's a little hesitant. She wasn't left with everything that she thought she was going to be left with. But she's already making some moves, and she's she's got uh, noble intentions. So I think I'm right there with you, Dave. Actually, you kind of convinced me. She is definitely, I think, a three, the third tier uh, moving up because things have definitely improved for her, considering she was going broke <laughs> at the top of the, the the series here. So kudos to her for making the best out of her situation and, and you know helping out uh, Peggy along the way. Yeah. Yep. Who do you got at number well, two? Well, who do you got at number two? I got big money. Hand I got of, big money too. I, I got George also. Bills. George is going. Here you go. Here you go. And he's as he's handing out those dollar bill, hundred dollar bills. He's like kissing his bicep. He's like, look, look at me. But it's, <laughs> the, the show does the great thing where he says the line. He says, "Box it all up, send it to my house, and dismantle the shop." And you see him step three steps forward. Here's a hundred dollars. Box it all up, send it to my house. Dismantle. And, and yep. the camera like fades. As he continues to repeat this, he's just big flex. And I hope like him, the, he's strong. What if the next episode? Too. If, if the next episode picked up with him still handing out a hundred dollars, I've been that been insane. He's I just love, walking down the street, just like a homeless person. Box <laughs> yeah. up your shop. That New York is just building itself based on his money. Well, number one, who do you got, Dave? I got Peggy. I got Peggy too. I, th- I think it's like almost indisputable. Like this, this is how it goes. These are who who are the top ranked people are. Peggy is really had a whole turnaround from where she was headed. Oh yeah, she had uh, to go to like who know, yeah, we don't know why she was going home. Mm-mm. But she's got uh a job, she's got lodging, she got a lawyer on retainer, it seems like. Mhm. Man, good for good for her. Big win, big victory. Yeah. And I'm excited to keep watching the show actually. I'm like t- I'm tuned in, man. I'm I'm ready to go. Yeah, and I feel like even in two episodes I feel so much more comfortable with these characters, so absolutely this feels like i'm at home <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's a it's it's like a guest house you know it's not the coat of paint we're used to but it's the mm-hmm. it's the, the kitchen smells the same the only strangest thing is just like this is america not britain everyone talks to the funky in a funky way but it's america <laughs> mm-hmm. um but yeah and usually we wrap up these episodes just by talking about other things we've been watching is there anything else dave you want to bring up that you've uh been checking out i mean i watched encanto that's the only thing i know you oh, watched okay. it last week it was I, I enjoyed it It wasn't my favorite disney movie yeah. but the fact that that song is so popular I, I we i started watching it at work with my students and and i was half paying mm-hmm. attention i said this is entertaining i need to i need to do my due diligence to finish this right so solid. it's funny because like the whole song is like we don't talk about bruno and then you watch the movie and it's just like well, I mean, I, I, I understand Bruno. I thought there'd be more to Bruno than there is. <laughs> like, yeah, John that's Lizama. all about Bruno. I want, I want all the Bruno. Give me more Bruno. <laughs> yeah, give me more legs. Give me more Leguizamo. Uh, yeah, but that's yeah, really it. Pretty good. And big, yeah. you know, two hours of the Gilded, two and a half hours of the Gilded Age. Right, right. Otherwise, I'm, I'm tuned in to HBO. If you're listening out there, HBO, watching Euphoria, I'm watching Gemstones. Great programming. You're doing great out there. Yeah, Curb was great. Good season of Curb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Big fans, big fans. Yeah, Trey, if to anyone from HBO is listening, 
get us on that Gilded Age podcast. Yeah. We're, we're, we're coming. We're, John C. Elmore, we're, we're done with you. We got our yeah. sights set on that Gilded Age we official semi-professionals podcast. semi-professionals here. So on that note, you if you want to follow us, uh, we are on Twitter. Uh, we are on Instagram. We're on Facebook. We have a website on Podbean. You can look up our old episodes if you so choose. You can leave us a five-star rating review on iTunes and Spotify. Mm-hmm. We also have some old merch that needs to get updated on Public And... We also have, uh, if you want to touch base with us, lordsagrantham at gmail.com, or you can slide into our DMs wherever you so choose. Oh, yeah, we'll answer all of them. We love it. Otherwise, we'll catch you next time on the podcast. So long.